Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Of course, we've already been in a series entitled The Lineage of Christ. And what we're doing is we're going through each one of the family tree of the Lord Jesus Christ, starting from Adam and going all the way up to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And as we travel through such an endeavor, we, of course, will run into familiar people like Adam, like Moses, or sorry, like Noah that we've already hit. But through this series, we'll also hit some people that maybe is overshadowed, maybe is underappreciated, maybe we know nothing about at all, including the one that we're running tonight. Now, of course, we already started at Adam, and we saw Adam had a son that carried on that lineage of Seth, and that Seth went through an entire line, and we see the lineage of Seth found in the book of Genesis chapter number 5. Then in Genesis chapter 6, we saw Noah, and we saw how God used him through that great flood. And then we saw the lineage of Noah's son, Shem, who carried on this lineage of Christ. And we saw that listing in Genesis chapter number 10, and then followed up in Genesis chapter number 11, where we find ourselves tonight as we go through this lineage of Jesus Christ, and we come to a very important member inside of the lineage of Christ, who once again is often overshadowed. And so if you don't mind, let's take some time to look at this lineage in the book of Genesis chapter number 11 and look with me starting at verse number 24. Lineage, sorry, the book of Genesis chapter number 11 starting at verse number 24. And Nahor lived nine and twenty years and begat Terah. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah a hundred and nineteen years, and beget sons and daughters. And Terah lived seventy years, and beget Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah beget Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran beget Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of Chaldees. And Abraham and Nahor took them wives, and the name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, she had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark the name of the person that we're putting our attention with right here in the book of 
of Genesis chapter number 11. And let's go for verse number 26. And notice with me the name Terah. Terah. And then notice in that verse where it says, Begot Abram. And with this, we want to do a character study on Terah with it entitled, The Father of Abraham. Terah, the father of of Abraham. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you tonight, I'm asking that you would help us to understand the scripture so much more because of the study of Terah and his life, that we would have a better understanding of how you called Abram out and what you called him from and what a big deal it was for him to be called out. And I'm asking that because of this, and we could see the life and the family that he came from, and yet you still tried to use him and desired to use him, that it would encourage us to make a decision to follow after you. Thank you again for whom you are. And once again, I just dare not trust my own. Fill me with your spirit. Just I surrender myself to you. And you do your own work tonight. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to do. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now as we come to the man Terah, of course, normally we just jump straight to Abraham and we begin to study the life of Abraham. But we know that Terah is important because notice with me in verse number 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Now remember that inside of the book of Genesis, there's only a few markings of this family tree. Remember when it talks about generations, it's talking about this family line, this family tree, and that we saw that it began with uh, Adam. And then we can see all throughout, I think there's 14 times if I remember correctly, that it says these are the generations and it names the person. So this is very significant that God would take time in his holy scripture to put a highlight upon Terah. Now these are the generations of Terah. So this is the family lineage of Terah. And in fact, there's a good amount of scripture that's listed here speaking about Terah. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to give a character study to examine the life of Terah, which will probably give you a different background flavor of where Abraham came from in the first place. The first thing I'd like to show you is Terah's false god. Terah's false god. Now, Terah lived in the Ur of Chaldees. We see that in verse number 28. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. Now, this land later on would become known as Babylonia, the, the nation of Babylonia. It was known in history books to us as the land of Mesopotamia, the land between the two rivers. And Ur was located on the very banks of the Euphrates River in what is now southern Iraq. And it was located right when the river dumps into the Persian Gulf. And so this city was one of the most important cities of the time. It was a coastal city, a harbor city. It was a place that was a center of trade and industry, a center of government, and a center of worship. It was one of the most principal cities in Abraham's time. If you were to talk to people, what's the most important city? You know, today we would say there's a New York, there's a Washington, there's a Paris, there's a London. In that day, the Ur of Chaldees would be one of those cities that would be mentioned. It is one of the most important places. And it was the place of Terah's birth. And 
here during this time, the cities would often have a local god, a local deity that the native people would worship. Kind of like... Um, we have football teams and Green Bay has its Packers and everyone identifies with the Packers. And just because you're born here, you're just automatically a Packer fan whether you watch football or not. It's just one of those things. Well, the same thing in the ancient world where you were born at that each city would have a local deity and that when you grew up, that was the one that you cheered for. That was the one you usually worship. That was the one that you usually served. And in the place of Ur of Chaldees, he, Terra, worshipped the local moon god who was known at under two names, Nana or Sin, N-A-N-N-A, or Sin, just like we would say Sin, S-I-N. And this was the moon god. And so in the Ur of Chaldees, they would take time to worship the moon god. And it was a very important part. Now, here today in America, religion plays just a small portion in everybody's life. Even modern day Christians, religion has just a very small part in their life. But in the ancient world, religion was everything. And for Terra, he was not just uh, a morning glory and just show up one day a week at the temple and that was it. But like many people in the ancient world, he was very much engrossed. Religion was a part of everything it played. And the sin god, this moon god, was represented by a crescent moon. And Terra was so involved in this worship. By the way, just as a side note, this god, this little G-god, by the way, is still very famous and, by the way, is still represented by the crescent moon. This god today is known as Allah. And so here is Terra worshiping the little G-god of his day, this moon god, this sin god, this god later on known as Allah, and it became very big in worship in this. In fact, let's see what the Bible has to say later on as a commentary. Hold your finger here, but turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 24. The book of Joshua 24. Now remember that Joshua was used of God to bring the children of Israel into the promised land. And in the book of Joshua, we could see them conquering the promised land and setting up the new nation of Israel. And in Joshua 24, Joshua gathers up all the people to give his final farewell address. Joshua is now old. He's getting ready to perish. He's getting ready to die. So he gathers the people up for the purpose of giving them some last minute preaching, some last minute encouragement for them to follow after God themselves. And notice what Joshua has to say concerning Terah and his worship of this false god. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Joshua chapter 24. And notice with me in verse number 2. Joshua 24 and verse 2. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood. Now pause there. The word flood, don't let that over, um, mess you up. That usually refers to the Euphrates River. And so he's dealing with, okay, don't worry about what your fathers did on the other side of the Euphrates River. What was on the other side of the Euphrates River? Ur of Chaldees, by the way, from the location where they're at. So on the other side of the flood, on the other side of the Euphrates River, in old time, notice this, 
even Terah. So let's get a running start. Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in the old time. Even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor. And notice this, what he said about Terah. And they served other gods. So Joshua is bringing up this history lesson. And he's saying, you know what? We come from a heritage where people served false gods. So we understand that not all of our people had decided they were going to follow the Lord. That there was a time where people were serving other little G gods. And they were serving other ones. And an example would be Abraham's father himself. He served other little G gods. Notice with me in verse number 14 as we fast forward the message. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods, the little g gods, which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Now, Joshua's making a big deal out of this because he knows and he's seen it with his own eyes how easy it is for people to get their eyes off God and get their eyes on some little g god. In fact, that seems to be our fallen nature is that we always let our eyes slip and go serve some other little G-God. We let something else control our lives. We make something else and let it tell us what to do. We serve that little G-God. And so Joshua in this is bringing a reminder that even Abraham's father himself, Terah, served these little G-Gods. We'll turn back to Joshua towards the end of the message. But for now, turn back with me to the book of Genesis and let's pick it back up as we're talking about Terah. Notice, if you don't mind, in Genesis chapter number 11 and let's see in verse number 26. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, Terah began to have children at age 70. Now, it's not listing the kids in order. In fact, Abraham's the baby. But Abraham's the most important, so he's listed first spiritually. But Terah began to have kids at age 70. And he had Nahor. He had Haran. And then at the good ripe age of 130, Terah had a bouncing baby boy by the name of Abraham. And so (laughs) during this time, Terah had been teaching his children to worship that little G God of sin. To worship that little G moon God. And this was the family that Abraham had served in. And by the time Abraham was born. When Terah was 130 years old. Well that's a long time of serving a little G God. And this is the family that he grew up in. And it just didn't stop. But it continued on. The next thing I want to show you is not only Terah's false gods. But I want to show you Terah's leadership. Terah's leadership. Notice with me in verse number 31. And Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran his son's son and Sarah his wife or his daughter-in-law his son Abram's wife and they went forth with them from Ur of Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan and they came to Haran and dwelt there. Now this is very interesting because one day Terah's son Abraham, Abram, came to him and said, 
you know, another God spoke to me. Now remember that Terah had been serving this sin God for quite a while. By the way, we'll get into this and prove it to you in a second. But Abraham's 70 years old when this occurs. And so remember, Terah is 130 when Abram is born. 70 years later, that would make Terah 200. That's pretty old. And Abram comes to him and says, Dad, another God has just spoke to me. And he made a compelling argument that I needed to follow him. And so, Dad, I know that you have roots here. I know that my brother died. Your son, he died earlier. He died before you did. I know that you got ties to this place. So you've been here since you were born. But I've got to go. I've got to leave. I've got to follow what this God had told me. And so I'm coming to you to tell you. See you later. Bye. And Terah said, hold on one second. I know that you don't have, a, have, um, have any kids. And you and your wife, by the way, Sarah was also Terah's daughter as well. And he said, my son, my daughter, my grandson Lot... Why don't we all go together? I want to be with you guys. I'll pack up everything. I'm willing to move. I love you. I want to be with you. Let's go. Okay. I mean, how are you going to tell them no? And so Terah led the people. Abram said, this is what God wants me to do. And Terah said, fine, let's go together. He was showing leadership. He was being the leader of his home. And so off he went. Let me pause here and let me show you that Abram was 70 years old. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 7 in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 7, we have a deacon preacher by the name of Stephen. And Stephen is preaching a message to some people who are in just a short after he's done with the message who are going to murder him and kill him. And so he might as well get the good preaching while he can. This is his last message. And he speaks about this in the book of Acts chapter 7. And notice with me in verse number 2. Acts chapter 7 and verse 2. And he said, this is Stephen, men Brethren and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dealt in Sharan. And said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred into a land uh, which I will show thee. And again he goes on and it speaks about this. But Abram was about 70 years old during this time. And here even Stephen is making uh, reference to this. That Abraham, uh, Abraham was told of God to leave. And so he packed up and he left. Now notice with me as we continue on. So Terah heard that God uh, wanted Abram to leave. Terah made the decision to move the family out. Sarah, his, or Abram his son, Sarah his daughter, and Abraham's wife, his grandson Lot, whose father Haran had died already. And so they traveled north. So if you would look on a map, you don't have to turn there now, they would go from the Ur of Chaldees and they would go north and they would go around <coughs> the body of water and head to where we would call Syria. And there Terah and his crew stopped in a spot of land and they built a city and they called it Haran 
and named it after his dead son. And so Terah says, this is a good place to stop. Let's go ahead and build here. They built this city. They went ahead and invited people to come and dwell in the city. Some more of their family came. They decided to call it Haran because Terah had missed the son. This is the way to offer it. And there he stayed. Notice with me in verse 32. And the days of Terah were 205 years. And Terah died in Haran. So here they moved from Ur of Chaldees. Went to this city. Five years later Terah died. Now what is Abraham going to do? Which brings us to one thing more. We see Abraham's choice. Abraham's choice. Now again, we've talked about Terah, the, how he was steeped in this false worship. But one day his son came to him and says, Dad, this another God told me to do something and I feel like I need to obey him. Sure, let's go, son, and let's pack things up and let's go and settle. And because of his father, by the way, they stopped traveling. If you know that Syria is north of what we would call Israel today and God had wanted God, uh, Abraham in Syria but because, or in Israel not Syria. But because of the influence of his dad they stopped and they stopped moving forward. Now we come to Abraham's choice. Notice with me in chapter 12 verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram get thee out of thy country. Notice this and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now, when God first told Abraham, part of the instructions was, Abraham, I don't want you to take your dad. I want you to leave your dad. I want you to follow me and have nothing that's going to hinder me, hinder you from following after me. Now, without a doubt, we can say that there are times that our family can hinder us. What do I mean by that? Well, think about Terah, that Terah is serving a false god. And Terah is probably not interested in knowing Abram's god. And Terah, after 200 years, has probably set up a lot of habits. It's almost like seeing someone who's been steeped in the Roman Catholic Church for a while, and then they get saved, and they continue to do the sign of the cross just because out of habit, and it's hard to break. And you can imagine that here, Terah had grown up 200 years having these little rituals and these things that he would do in order to worship this moon god. And he would still continue to do them. And those would be things that would keep Abram from moving forward because his dad doesn't have a desire to serve God, hasn't, doesn't even know the God that Abraham served, and he has a different religion. He has a different way of doing things. And God had said, I want you to be removed from that because these things are going to hold you back. Notice as he goes on in verse number 2. He says, And I will make of thee a great nation, and bless thee, and make thy great name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless him that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord spoke unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. So notice this. He was lived in Haran for five years, so he was seventy when he 
he departed from there. Abraham once again had grown up in a home where they served a little g God all of his life. And now he's going to change his life and he's going to serve a big g God. And this big g God said, I want you to follow me. But in order for you to follow me, you're going to have to leave your family. You're going to have to put them aside. You're going to have to leave the culture that you were in. You're going to have to step away. Now that doesn't mean that he has to hate his dad. God didn't say, all right, Abraham, in order to follow me, you have to hate your dad. It's not what he said at all. But he said, in order for you to follow me, you're going to have to make a choice. Your choice is to follow me completely or not. Not halfways, not saying I want to try to make my dad happy and still do some of the things that he wants to do with his little G God and then try to serve God on the side. No, God understood that because of the way Terah grew up, that Abraham was going to have to completely leave his father's house for the purpose of serving God, the big G God, the true and living God, completely. Now, with this, we understand that there are times in our life that we have family members who may not have a desire to follow after God. They may even be saved, but they don't have a desire to follow after God. And we cannot allow those family members to keep us from following after Him. We can't allow them to to hold us from following after God completely. There has to be a choice. Turn back with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. And let's see as Joshua makes the same application in Joshua 24. Now, remember in Joshua 24, in verse number 2, Joshua makes specific reference that, hey, we came from a place where others of our families had served little g-gods. As an example, Terah. Abraham's father served a little G God. And he grew up that way. And so Abram was called out of that. Notice with me in verse 14 as now Joshua makes the application. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him. Notice this. In sincerity and in truth. So notice this. Joshua is telling these folks. I want you to serve God. How do I want you to serve God? I don't want you to serve God part-time. I don't want you to serve God kind of wishy-washy. I want you to serve God in sincerity. And I want you to serve God in truth. Maybe we can make an application of this. Let's say that we are going to celebrate a marriage. We have a young couple that are going to get married. And so the bride comes and the music is played. Everyone stands. The groom comes and receives her. Everyone sits down. And so the preacher gives a message. And then he gets ready to give the vows. And he says, ma'am. And he gives the name and he says, will you... Accept this husband to love, to cherish, to obey, to all of those things. And she looks at him and says, well, I want to make an agreement. I want to be your wife and I fully commit myself to, your, to you every day of the week except for Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights is my night to do whatever I want. You can't say anything. I, I have another friend I want to see on the side. And, and I want to make a commitment that, that you're uh, most, I, mostly I'm committed to you. 
But there's some pieces in my life that you can't have and that you can't ask about. And I'm not married to you during those times. Do you think that would go over well? During that time, there is expected to be a full commitment. That as a bride, I am committing myself to be your wife forever. And the groom is expected to make a commitment to her. That, honey, I love you, but Saturdays, not married. I meant everything else, but not Saturdays. Let's just make this commitment now. You know, in our crazy world, I bet you someone's going to come up with that idea. But anyways, that's not what's expected. And so when it's saying here that thou therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, it's carrying the idea to have a full commitment. That if we're going to serve God, it's not on a part-time basis. If we're going to serve God and follow God, it's not God, you get Sundays and then my little G God, he gets a Monday and then another little G God, he gets a Tuesday and then on Wednesdays, I kind of ramp back up so I could pay attention to you. And then, and then, you know, during the rest of the week, it's a hodgepodge. Whoever wants me gets me. Is that the kind of commitment the Lord wants? And by the way, this is why this message on terror is so important. Because God said, I want you to leave your father. And I, not, you don't have to hate him. You don't have to beat him up. You don't have to renounce him. But I need you to remove yourself from that environment. Because he's going to be serving another little G God. And there's no way you can completely follow me as long as you're still tied in with him. Now again, many of us have family members who are not committed to the Lord. And we understand that's their choice and that's thing. But we have to make commitments that even if my family doesn't decide to follow after me, I'm going to follow after me. Again, forgive the personal illustration. I remember when I was a teenager, my parents were... C&E Christians, meaning they show up Christmas and Easter. That was the only time they showed up to church. Every once in a while, and by the way, it wasn't even then. There were years where they wouldn't show up to church. But when we moved up to South Dakota, we lived in a trailer park. And on top of the hill was a little white Baptist church. And as a teenager, I said, I want to go to church all the time. Mom, Dad, is it all right if I start going to church on my own? It's a walking distance. You don't have to drive me. I could walk there. Sure, have at it. As long as your stuff's done. Cool. So I started going Sunday school. Started going Sunday morning. Started going Sunday night. Started going Wednesday night. And then they started doing a thing called soul winning. And I started showing up to that. And started getting involved. And was reading my Bible all the time. And one day after a Wednesday night. Had a great time in church service. Wonderful time. I come home and the family is all sitting waiting for me. Brothers and sister, mom and dad, and they're all looking. Oh, what's going on? And it was an intervention. We're kind of concerned for you. Are you part of a cult? No! They said, we haven't seen a Christian really act this way before. This is, we're Christians and you're taking it a little bit too far, don't you think? No. No. What happened is that 
there was a choice that was made. And then even though my folks didn't want to go, and that's their choice, I had to make a decision. Am I going to continue to go? Or do I go with the influence? My parents didn't deny me going to church, though they did ground me from church a couple times, but that's a different story. I love church that much. That's what they had to do to ground me from. Well, of course, they grounded me from school too. But again, that's another story. But I was nervous. You know, church was so important. They actually grounded me from my Bible a couple times. Normally, you're supposed to tell the kid to read the Bible and get right. But that's how much I love the Bible and how much I love church and how much I love the things of the Lord. By the way, that's not abnormal. That's what Abraham did. I love God and I'm fully invested. I'm committed. I don't want to do this part time. I'm making a decision that God has all of me and whatever he wants, he can have. And even if the folks said, we're not interested in going to church. Well, I'm going. Well, even if we're not interested in reading the Bible. Well, I am. And again, I'm not saying that I hate it. There was not a choice that said, Mom, Dad, I'm divorcing you. I hate you. I don't want to talk to you ever again. That was never a decision and that was never an option. But there had to be a choice that I was going to choose to follow after God, even if no one else did. Notice what Joshua does in this message in the same application. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity And in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Notice this. He said, put away those other gods. Put away the little G gods, and you serve God. Don't let these little G gods have you. And then verse 15, the famous verse of Joshua. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord... Choose you this day whom you will serve. Now notice that. He says, listen, I want you to choose God. But if you don't feel like serving God is the right thing, it's the evil choice, it's the wrong choice, then make a choice. Don't halfways do it. Either God's God, if God's God, serve Him. If God is not God, find out who is God and serve Him. Don't be wishy-washy. Be fully committed. Fully choose. He says, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether it be the God, or whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's saying, Abraham had to come to this choice. That his dad served a little G God. And God said, I want you to separate yourself. And I want you to move forward and serve God without any hindrances. As Joshua is saying, I'm making the same application. You make a choice who that God little or that God you serve. You be fully committed to that God. But as for me and my house, we made our choice. We're serving God. We're serving Him. And it's not halfways. It's not like it's nice if we show up every now and again. I'm asking you, if God is God, fully serve Him. And don't let anyone or anything be a hindrance from you serving God. If the people around you don't want to serve God, that's their choice. You serve God. If the people around you laugh and say, Ah, you're just taking it too far. Don't let that be a hindrance. You serve God. Be fully committed to the God you believe is real. 
By the way, we're thankful that our God is real. And there's a consequence for not serving him. But people need to be fully persuaded in their mind. Is he God? If he is, fully serve him. If he's not God, then go find out who is. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Now, I'm glad that our God is provable and that we can know who he is. And because of that, and because of his salvation, because he loved me, because of everything he did for me, it's an easy choice for me. Just like it was for Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so what I'm asking you tonight is what is your choice? What is your choice? Now again, I know most of your backgrounds. I understand that you may be the only one in your family who wants to serve God. And I understand, and by the way, that gets lonely. Do you think Abraham wanted to leave his father? No, he loved his dad. He was with him for 70 years of his life. His dad's 200 years old. I don't want to abandon the guy. But he had to make a choice. I want to serve God. And even if my dad doesn't want to fully serve God, I need to. I understand that you may have some family members who don't understand why do you go to church all the time. It seems abnormal. It seems cultish. I understand that. I understand that there are people that live with you or around you that says, why do you always read the Bible? Why do you do this? You've changed. Why does this happen in your life? They have questions and they may not understand. But your choice, if this God saved you, if this God loved you, if this God did so much for you, why wouldn't you fully commit out, fully sell out, fully say, Lord, you are God. I'm choosing you. And so the choice I'm encouraging you tonight is not to allow the influences of your life to hinder you. To be fully sold out. To be fully committed to this God. To make the choice like Joshua did. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What is the choice that you will make? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.